0: Okay, this is Robin Harford from eatweeds.co.uk and foragingcourses.com. I'm here with Craig Worrell of Edible Leeds. And as you can hear, there's a burbling brook in the background. <laughs>
1: and We're out. <laughs> what are we out doing? We're out fungus hunting. We've come out to check the... Yeah, the fungal species that are coming out of this time of year. Uh, it's a really good time of the year for the edible species. Um, I've got certain ones in mind that I'd like to kind of like plug in and get some for me dinner, because I'm yeah. a pretty hungry man at the moment. Um, so, yeah, so I thought I'd bring you out to my, one of my lovely local woodlands, where I kind of know things are kicking off at the moment. It's a bit out of the city. It's a completely different ecology here to what you would find in the woods in the city. In fact, there's another mushroom just popped up in front of me yeah, there <laughs> that, as well. Yeah. yeah. So these are both edibles, both of the same species. But yeah, I just thought... I'd, um, bring you out come and have a look at some mushrooms and chat fungi and yeah
0: great so the habitat that we're in at the moment so we're going to talk you're going to talk us through these two yeah absolutely uh, the habitat just for the listeners to kind of gauge
1: so the habitat at the moment what we've got are these uh sick spruce and these are spruce trees so kind of evergreen trees and what we've also got in this woodland is quite a quite a mix so we've got deciduous and we've got evergreen um, and what I find is that's really nice um, sort of cross habitats for various species uh, what's really interesting is that these two species that are actually right now in front of us um, both like growing in both deciduous woodlands and they're like growing in evergreen pine woodlands as well so they're kind of like cross habitat species so that's really lovely so it kind of like multiplies the different habitats that you can go to to find those species but also a couple of the other species that I know that are here as well today they also both grow in pine and deciduous but the other fungus that I'm going to show you are actually growing it in with deciduous at the moment. Okay. But Again, you can find them with pines as well. So, so. what have
0: we got here? What
1: are we going to? Show well, us? well, we've got the, um, the the golden shrine of mushroom hunting here. <laughs> Basically, what we've got two two highly sought after. Generally, I mean, if you look in the books, all these books will say that these are pretty top top edible species. So the first one that we've got here, which has been well nibbled on by some um, some, some woodland creature by the looks of it, um, so this is Beletus edulis or the cep. Um, highly sought after, um, and it is a lovely mushroom. This is a penny bun. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that because we're losing that name from the traditional English. So yeah. we've we've adopted the French, um, so the French sepe meaning tree trunk. We've adopted that, we've kind of anglicised it it's become sep. So if you go over to Italy you've got Porcini, which I think means little piglet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Germany it's Steinpilz, which is like rock mushroom. Um, and over in, in Bonnie Holden, a lovely green and pleasant England, we've got the got the penny bun and I try to label it as a penny bun, but every now and then I kinda of slip into sep, sometimes I call it porcini. It's yeah, I think it's really
0: important it. to keep those traditional names. I mean as anyone who's had their culture destroyed, you know, take mm-hmm. Wales, you know, you're not allowed yeah. to speaking, speak Welsh, and therefore the way to, to dominate a culture is to destroy its language. Absolutely. It's like wild garlic, you know. Yeah, people call it wild garlic, but I do bang on about saying, look, it's Ramsons. Yeah, yeah this, is the, this is our
1: kind of common name for it, and let's Absolutely. not forget our heritage on that front. Yeah, definitely. Well, look, this is a penny bun. <laughs> 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 we'll leave the, Angla- we'll the Franco-Anglicised version out of this one. So, yeah, this is a penny bum. um... Very highly sought after. Um, this is a perfect little specimen. What we've got, we've got, what, three three inches high, maybe? Mm-hmm. So it's quite a young, fruiting specimen. Um, I will take her some, because I know that these woodlands are pretty thick with them, um, and there's a succession of them coming out at the moment. The temperatures seem to be just right. We had a load of rain at the weekend, which is perfect for fungi. You know, they like a bit of humidity, lovely little bit of moisture. Um, so ideal. Later on this week, I think it, it kind of could turn to more of a summer event. We've got some very hot weather coming in, and I think that's going to just put thing, knock them off, so to speak, but we're, yeah. what, three, two, three days after the, the heavy rains and stuff, plus we had a lot of cloud yesterday, so a lot of moisture still held in the ground. Perfect for these. Um, this size, I mean, a lot of people will say that you should really pick these when the, the caps have opened, they've been sparring. But the thing is, the mycelial network is, is underground, and I know that these will produce more fruit and bodies. We're very, very early in the season for sure. these. Um, and it's a beautiful fungus, uh, it's beautiful eaten raw. I mean, just, do you want to try a little, yeah, yeah, s- little sample of the yeah. cap? We'll learn, just get rid of that a bit of dust and stuff. And, although, I say that as foragers and herbalists, I think we're yeah, constantly eating yeah, bits of dirt, of, of dirt, isn't it? Yeah, I only trust people with dirt in their fingernails generally. And, um, mm. Yeah, nice. Mm. Beautiful, isn't mm. it? Really nice. Mm.
0: And what have we got over here on the left here?
1: So we've got here, um, as the books would say, um, second only to uh, Beletus edulis. This is the bear bolly, or Beletus badius. Um, in a certain way, do you know, I don't see any sort of distinction between the two. I think they're both absolutely superb edible species. What's, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to pop this one out of the ground, give it a bit of a, give a twist to break it free from its mycelial network. So basically what we've got here is the fruiting body of the mycelium proper. Yeah. So basically what we've got, unlike plants and trees which are visible above the ground throughout the whole of the year, their roots in the ground, fungi, um, know, they, they, they create a, an underground mycelial network of very, very fine rooting hairs, um, which we call each individual one is a hypha. Mm-hmm. Um, when they multiply to the extent where we can potentially see, if we were to take the topsoil away and get down to the mycelial network itself, you would see a very thick, sort of web-like, uh, white structure of very fine hairs going along. But you can see them because there's so many of them. We then um, we call that uh, plurally uh, the mycelium, and the mycelium is underground constantly. It's subterranean throughout the whole of the year. And when the conditions, the time of year is right, moisture, warmth, what you will find is that the um, the hyphae, or the mycelium themselves, the, the fine hairs, or the fine roots, will then come up and they will form this fruiting body. Right. So really, what this is just made up is lots of like really fine tubes, basically. Yeah. A little bit like trees, I suppose, in that sense, where they've got all the xylem tubes that are going up. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, so this one again, really, really good quality mushrooms, going to take the base off of that so quite often with these fungi it's good to have a little chop through the base yeah quite often you'll find there's a lot of um sort of fungal gnats woodland woodland flies and things mm-hmm. and the mushrooms are, are really good um kind of breeding grounds and like houses and food systems for these fungal gnats which will quite often <laughs> i have a feeling that some of them are laid while the fungus is in the ground with the mycelial network that the the insects know that they're coming and that they lay their eggs inside them because I've. if you look at this species you can see sort of the starting yeah. potentially of the um, the little gnat holes that could be yeah. up inside this and what I found is that I've picked species of mushrooms in the past that have had no physical evidence on the exterior to show that anything has kind of like penetrated inside and laid eggs but what I have found once cutting inside on the internal are um, fungal gnats larvae on the yeah. inside so I, I don't know about this, is just me as a as a, as a passing observer, so to speak, sure. in the natural realm of things, through my experiences and a potential theory, is that some of those insect eggs are actually laid prior to the mushroom, that the insects know, maybe there's some kind of chemical aroma going on, and they're yeah. kind of like, ah, you're about to pop up, yeah. that's my food, that's my nest for my little babies, in yeah. they go, and they grow up so. If you chop the bottom off these, <clears throat> off these fungus, what you'll quite often find through chopping through if you find lots of bugs inside it you'll probably be able to figure just how what the extent of the larval infestation inside that fungus is and is it then actually worth actually taking it so to speak and do you leave it behind for the gnats or is there enough that's retrievable to dry so, talking
0: um, fungi, I mean, what's what's the you know often people refer to things as mushrooms or toadstools. Ah, so obviously, I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah. Here, but <laughs> just, just just for obviously listeners who who are completely
1: new to all this. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so um, the extent of knowledge that I have, basically, we they're all the same. Basically, it's all mushrooms. It's all fungus. I think fungus is the scientific term for mushrooms. Basically, um, there's <laughs> A connection within the uh, literature for it from um, sort of, I think it's French-wise or something like that, with the, um, where it going to go with that one? Um, tadstool, which is meaning toadstool. Okay. Basically, if it's an edible one, we would generally class that as a mushroom. If it's a poisonous one, that would be a toadstool. Yeah. And a lot of that is to do with the association with the, with the dark arts, yeah. behind mushrooms, the mystery of mushrooms, where yeah. mushrooms came from. Yeah. We now know that there, there is a mycelial network underground for many, many centuries. Nobody knew this. You'd, you'd go out walking one day, nothing's there. You go out the next day, suddenly these magical, mystical little organisms have popped up and people are like, where the hell have they come from? It's to do with the dark arts. Obviously, this is a very religious time in our history and... So yes, it's, um, so the tadstool or toadstool, um, toads obviously were associated with witchcraft, which is associated with the devil, the dark arts, against the ecclesiast, you know. Sure. Um, whereas the, the good ones, the mushrooms, they were well, they're cool, aren't they? They're mushrooms. <laughs> is that right? They're not associated sure <laughs> with the devil. So <laughs> we'll call them mushrooms. <laughs> it's a bit tenuous is the link there, I suppose. But, but so you can see, yeah, you yes. can see the fungal inside, uh, sorry, the larvae that's inside it now. Yeah. On the exterior. There was absolutely no, no evidence the, to show it's the end, there. It? So yeah. that's my thing of these being laid, and then as the mushroom's formed, it's lit, formed around the, the eggs of the larvae, and then the larvae have hatched, and then then get in their dinner, Great. basically before they turn into gnats and fly off and keep the cycle of things going, really. Yeah. I find with the baby, believe, that there's almost like a, a slight sweetness to this one, in contrast to the porcini. I find that the porcini for me is... It's kind of sweet and earthy, and fungally and mushroomy. I know they probably sound really blatantly obvious, the fact that they've come from the earth and it's a mushroom, but there are there are subtle differences, and I find the bear eat just ever so slightly sweeter. Mm, okay. There's a sweeter little note to yeah. it. Do you want to have a nibble as mm, well? Yeah. yeah. You do that, have a nibble, see what you think. This is the babyleet that I've just given you. Mm.
0: What I really like mm. is the texture. Beautiful, isn't it? I really like textures. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, these are very young specimens, so these are going to be Mm. really firm. These Mm. are very, very, almost like a slight al dente crunch to them. Yeah. Um, Another day in this sort of heat, especially for the porcini. um, I've got a feeling the porcini is slightly older than the babelit. I reckon the porcini may be, I don't know, 24 hours. I reckon this one's probably just slightly behind it. Um, But what you will find over time, so probably with another day, with the warm temperature that we've got at the moment is that these caps hopefully will expand, but also they'll become much softer. Yeah. Very, very soft. Um, I'd sort of draw you in as well, because I think a lot of people with mushrooms and associations with mushrooms, we expect mushrooms to have gills. Mm-hmm. You know, so the mushrooms we buy now out from the supermarket, the button mushrooms, um, the agaricus family, they are, typically, they are gilled. What yeah. we'll find on this one is there are no gills to this one. Yeah. Um, and this is a trait of the, um, sort of, Beletus family, yes. in a sense. And been, yeah. they're broken down into three sections where well. You've got the... The beletus, you've got then the sulis, um which is like large belets would come under um, slippery jacks. And again, they've got the tubes, but they've got this kind of viscosity to them, like this slippery sliminess mm-hmm. to them. Plus, they form rings around the stem and the cap, and when they pop up, and you get like a ring forming around the stem. But they've all got these uh, these paws or tubes on the underside in yeah. place of gills. Um,
0: so are these uh, are the like with plants, you know, there's certain families that are really safe and certain families that are potentially dodgy and poisonous. If you get mm-hmm. it wrong, is that similar? Is that crossover to the. Generally,
1: family? there are. Uh, hmm, depends which species you're looking at. Um, so you, I couldn't
0: say all all
1: boletes are no, edible. No, 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 no. Not, not all boletes are, from what I can gather. Um, there's one called Satan's Bolly, um and that one in particular is, is quite toxic. And in the book that I have, well, one of the books that I've got, the Roger Phillips uh, mushrooms book, yeah. which is, a, if you're into your mushrooms, it's kind of the, kind of yeah, the, Bible, the Bible of mushroom books. It's yeah. an amazing book. Um, but again, some of that information is possibly slightly dated. You know, second edition, there's some anomalies in there from the first edition which have been updated. Right. We're finding new scientific discoveries and breakthroughs, so even the, the names attributed already to some of these fungus are now changing sure. currently, even as we talk. Yeah, and this is the same with plants as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, the devil's bolly is, is a poisonous one, and it says, and they're potentially deadly, so it's one of those to avoid. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like plants, all fungi... Um, all fungi are identifiable it's a little like people with fingerprints yeah they've got these subtle or not necessarily subtle sometimes they're subtle differences sometimes they're gaping differences you know really stand out sort of sore thumb type Um, where's it going with that one Um, so yeah basically having a good instructor, a good guide or some very good guidebooks, and actually taking your time to spend time in the woodlands with the fungi taking a couple of specimens back with you if there's enough fruiting bodies to do so so you can carry out some work at home some of those families and some of those fungus will need microscopic examination yeah. to get down to the fine and minute details of the spores in particular, yeah. the shape, the quantity of them, how they're formed, are they attached to each other. Um, so no, I would always say to anybody going out there looking for four mushrooms, don't listen to any of the old mythological tales such as like, ooh, leave the white gilled fungi out because actually there's some really lovely white gilled fungi you can eat. Yeah. There was an interesting guy, what did he say to me on my course the other day? See if I can rack my brains on this one. I so saw a guy in a shop in Ingleborough the other day. I was getting some fish and chips on my way back from the Lake District, and I was chatting to the lady in the fish shop about mushrooms. And this guy stood next to me. What did he say now? He came out with this Never eat fungus that are growing underneath trees. And I always kind of like looked at him <laughs> and I was sort of like, No, mate, not at all. Because like, the ones that we're looking at here, the bayberry and yeah, uh, the puccini, mean, they're, they're mycorrhizal. They yeah. actually growing within a symbiotic relationship with the trees. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a scratch my back, scratch your back scenario. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, some of these these old tales um, just have no, no place in reality and science yeah. these days. Um, that's fine, you know, it's something that he's heard, he's, he's not pursued it any further, and yeah. a lot of people have these sort of common misperceptions, I suppose. Um, this is why we do fungal forest, trying yeah. to educate people, really. Um, but both these two species are mycorrhizal. Um, myco is Greek for uh, mushroom. Uh, rhiza is Greek for, for roots, so basically it's mushroom roots and mycorrhizal fungi have a symbiotic relationship, whereas the mycelial network, the hypha, that mycelial network, the rooting system that's underground, will attach itself to, around, and within the rooting network of the trees. Now, on a, on a basic um, level from that, what they do with host tree and what host tree will do for said mushroom is they will pass nutrients mm-hmm. and food, uh, sorry, nutrients, food, and they will also pass water to, to each other. And there are certain chemicals, I think phosphorus and I think magnesium is the other one, and Mm. there's another one. Um, They're ones that each one or the other um, quite often has a depletion of. So, you know, tree passes said nutrient to fungus. Fungus in dry times will have a store of water and pass some water to said tree or vice versa. It's a really lovely relationship, Mm. you know, and they kind of look after each other. It
0: is a really cool, and I was speaking to... um, Chap in America, and he's kind of got. He's, he's normally a plant person. He's, the last three years, he's really got into into fungi, and it's like this this kingdom that's just mm-hmm. you know because they they are completely different from plants. They're not oh, the yeah. same kingdom. Whereas a lot of people dump them into the same kingdom, and yeah. they're not.
1: They're completely different worlds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they are fungi. More associated with the animal kingdom, and I think it was widely believed in the past that um, the animal kingdom. Um, led on to the production or the, the evolution of mushrooms. There's some science out there and some theories where they're they're revising that old perception and what they're actually stating potentially is that actually no fungi were around long before yeah. animals were yeah. and actually they gave rise to animals. Yeah. I think for a lot of people that's going to be like, whoa, shaking yeah. the foundations of their world of perceptions and normality and it's, you know, it's pretty groundbreaking stuff. And, but yeah, I think it's quite... It's quite interesting it, to think that maybe we're a, a byproduct of the fungi. They've brought us around to distribute their spores, and yeah, you know, who knows? Yeah, you know, no, it's, I'm, thinking, um, I'm
0: well into that. Absolutely, uh-huh. yeah, 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 yeah and definitely. In that symbiosis with you know plants, and the fact that I believe plants called humans out of the out of the oceans, and mm. you know, Michael Pollan in his book *Botany of Desire* posits this this kind of beautifully outrageous idea that that actually humans are just hu- actually human bees. We are yeah. pollinators, that, and in order for fungi and plants to distribute themselves, they needed something to do that. So, yes, they created insects and everything else, but they also created humans, Yay. and we are at that level. <laughs> We're just, you know, two peddied pollinators.
1: So it's an interesting little fungi, this one. Um, so this one here is uh, this is the miller. <clears throat> Um, is it edible? It is edible, yeah. It's a nice edible species. It's, it's a bit of a scary species for a few. Uh, it took me quite a few years to get my conference to pick and eat this one. Um, What's really lovely is it's growing in the woodland. If this was growing in some grassland, I think the fear that comes with this one is that it's... Um, they say in the books that for every edible species of fungus that there are. There are six potential poisonous lookalikes. Actually, I don't think there are six potential poisonous lookalikes. There's possibly one or two potential poisonous lookalikes and a few potential, or maybe one potential deadly poisonous lookalike. You know, some of those things could be easy to confuse. But if we, again, if we take a systematic approach of Looking at these fungus, looking at the habitat that they're growing in, cross referencing them with books, taking spore prints if possible, yeah. chatting to a mycological expert, if, for instance. You know, don't trust pictures online. No, I would oh, say that absolutely. to people now. Absolutely. absolutely. There's a lot of people out there with all the best intentions in the world, but they don't know if you've posted up the right picture. For instance, you may have pressed the wrong button, and actually, what you're showing them is an edible version, and what you meant to show them was the, the death cap. Yeah. Someone's going like, "Hey, man, that's a certain edible species. Yeah, cook it up for your dinner guests or whatever. And, you know, <laughs> potential danger, and also, you know, the Forestry Commission, naturally, they're going to love stuff like that, aren't they? You know, people poisoning themselves. So yeah, just be careful online. But if we, so what? What this this particular fungus could be confused with is another species um, in the Clitocybe family, which is the Fool or Sweating Funnel. I think it's Clitocybe battery if I remember right, on the Latin side, but but maybe the name's changed. Um, and that one in particular can be Quite pokey for people, so it could cause pretty nasty side effects, like sweating, yeah. diarrhea, vomiting. Yeah. I think potentially if you eat a lot of them, there's a potential for some quite serious either organ damage or potentially killing yourself. Yeah. But again, it's about looking at these fungus, you know, picking them, having a sniff of them, having a feel of them, looking at the different characteristics of them. It's it's breaking down those little features, those subtle little features, and helping you ascertain what what it actually is so for this one what you can see is that we've got the <clears throat> this is a guild fungi yeah so the ones that we've seen so far the two beletus they're both hello elf sorry my dog's here as well um in between us hello um so the other ones that we've looked at the beletus they were tubed yes. yeah sort of paws or tubes on the underside yeah whereas this one is kind of true mushroom in the sense that it's got gills what's really lovely with this one is is you can see that the the gills are actually decurrent so yes. they're running down the stem yeah. They don't stop sort of where the stem reaches the cap itself. They yes. actually run, run down the stem itself or partway way down the stem. Really tightly packed together. Um, you should have intermediate little gills in between. So where you've got the... So one long, one short. Yeah, yeah. So you can see you've got these really long gills. Then in between you've got these little short gills. Yeah. At the end of there. Um, again, the, 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 the cap consistency of this one, if you have a feel of this one. People in the books liken it's a chamois leather. Okay, and I can kind of get where they come from. Yeah. I remember, as a kid, helping to drive my dad's car using a chamois leather. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like I want to rub it on my face. Rub yeah. it on your face when it's lovely. Mm. It's you, sir. It does, sir. <laughs> and what, what you'll find over time with this species as well. So if you're a little bit stuck, you're a little bit nervous. There are there are ways to is your nervousness yeah the smell of this it one yeah distinct, brilliant yeah and maybe try having a cut of it as well robin you find that sometimes by chopping it open that you'll you'll break through some of the cells and sort of release the juices and more of the aromas but over time this fungus if you at the moment you can see that the gills are white it's not actually dropping its spores at the moment just yeah. like to mention to people who are listening at the moment there's another one two three four five six is six yeah. we've picked one what will happen over time, so you can see these kind of like an off-white, creamy yeah. grey coloured gill at the moment, beautiful white flesh, um, these gills over time when they start to produce the spores will turn like a pinky colour. Right. Yeah, the other Clydeside doesn't do that, it's got a different spore print. Right. So if you keep it for a day or so yeah. in fairly decent conditions in a fridge or something to stop it from um, so sort of rotting down.
0: F- how would you keep mushrooms in fridges?
1: depends where well, depends which species okay. really um, chanterelles I find will live in your, your fridge quite happily potentially for up to a month, um, and a friend of mine lisa she 's got a really lovely tip about using some of the moss from the woodlands that you find the chanterelles growing in. A lot of mosses are quite antiseptic antibacterial um, chanterelles are not prone to sort of like rotting very, very quickly you know they will, they will stay in the ground in the right habitat for, and grow over periods of months, potentially like two three months, you can go back and you 'll you know, from little pinhead mushrooms, mm. these really quite decent size, almost ice cream cone size yeah. fungi there with very little air larval infestation and also any sort of, like, natural degradation to the quality of them. Um, seps, for instance, you pop a sep in your fridge, a nice young, firm cap in your fridge, two days later, it's starting to get a bit squidgy, it's getting right. a bit spongy. Yeah. They break down much quicker. Yeah. Um, St George's mushrooms in the spring, I find they last in the fridge for a very good long time, give them a really good clean, Put them into a container. I've got a and salad clean spinner.
0: Cleaning a mushroom is brushing a mushroom.
1: Yeah, just yeah. brush the mushroom. Yeah, yeah. don't don't wash don't it with wash water. Them, no, though. no, don't stick them in water. Yeah. I mean, fungi are what, ninety percent water anyway, yeah. um, And by immersing them in water, you're just going to make them well extra watery, basically. And and from what I can gather, watery environments are really good for for bacterial growth and breaking things down quicker. Um, so again, to Shelf life for mushrooms, it's really good sometimes with species such as the sep. If you find a good sep and I'm not going to eat it straight away, well, then I'll dry it. So I'll cut it nice and thin, put it in the sunshine for maybe a day or two if it's the right temperature. Um, Within two days, I've got some lovely dried seps and they will store for, I don't know, decades, potentially in the right environment. Um, So yeah, back to storing in a fridge, very much species dependent. Um, some last much longer than others, and maybe using that tip that Lisa's mentioned about putting the moss in there will extend that shelf life as yeah, well. I suppose it's a natural <laughs> Yeah. for want of a better phrase. Um, but, yeah we'll, um, yeah, we'll take one of these with us and have a nibble of that one. OK. Yeah, That's lovely fungus, lovely fungus. Just over, kind of through
0: the through the hedges through yeah. the woods, and we've got a lovely purple...
1: That's a cracker, isn't Frangier,
0: it? I mean, it's got to be three inches high. Yeah. Amethyst Deceiver.
1: Amethyst Deceiver is this one?
0: I do know this one. You do? <laughs> Good. I know, <laughs> few, actually, I know you know, you know a like... few.
1: So, yeah, beautiful. Uh, part of the Lacaria family, um, or Lacaria family. Um, again, back end of summer, autumn time, prolific fruiters. Really, really love um, deciduous leaf litter. In particular, I find beech leaf litter. Yeah, a lot of beech trees around as the leaf litter. Yeah, um, really extensive in and around this region. I mean, nationally, they're everywhere. Um, edible? Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant flavour. It's not the most amazing flavour, but you know, you want to stick something extra inside your your soup it's good to or freak your omelet.
0: Tell us about it. But, I mean, look on. at the
1: colour. I oh, know. Look at that. It's yeah. beautiful. Look at the gills yeah, though in mean, that. It's
0: absolutely,
1: it's magic, isn't it? Stunning, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it is stunning, isn't it? And it is deep amethyst. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Um, it's more amethyst than amethyst. Um, so, yeah, really interesting, the fact that this family um, is given kind of the, the local sort of name of Deceiver. You know, you give this another day, and what you'll find, so you can see this one, it's, it's its brother or sister here. See how much paler it is? Yeah. You know, and another day, it'll be almost white. Yeah. So, on on, on the initial fresh stage, mm-hmm. you can't really go wrong with that one, can you? Two or three days later, if you're fairly new to this, and you find a clump of it, you'll be like... You know, the gills look similar and yeah. the looks and the colours completely different. Yeah. Still a deceiver, hence the name, for the deceivers. Yeah. So, yeah, well, um, I'll take that one for the pot. Or yeah. you, you can take it with you to your retreat. To my <laughs> monastery. Yeah, you can do. Yeah. Damn, do you know what? I think they'd love that, wouldn't they, as well? <laughs> That's your offering, your peaceful fungi offering. <laughs> there you go, Perhaps We'll pop that in there for you, eh? So, yeah, so as I was saying earlier, so this is. A patch of hedgehog fungi. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. Right. Blimey. Look, look, yeah, look at the so look strange, at the network. Look at the ring. And what's that? Twenty, twenty, twenty-five meters. Easy. Got to be twenty-five meters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a twenty-five. What's that diameter? I mean, I'm not very good at maths. Yeah, I'm a forager. <laughs> um, twenty-five meter diameter, and I mean I've been here and picked already, but it was thick with them. I mean you get patches, Robin. That's even more cluttered than this. You know, seriously, there's hardly any space for him. But you can see how young and juvenile these are. Look, you've got some really young fruit bodies coming up. Yeah. I have picked this extensively, not to the point where it's going to threaten the mycelial network, but I knew that anyway, I knew about the mycelial network, and not to the point where it was me being over greedy, yeah. um, but to the point where I felt, actually, do you know what, given the amount of numbers that are here, it's easy to come here in a good season and pick... I don't know, a kilo a week, almost, yeah, for... Yeah. yeah, I reckon so. Not even a kilo a week. And you could come you, when here and pick. you say
0: picking, you're referring to cutting.
1: Ah. Are
0: you or not?
1: No, I... Well, <laughs> there are some who say that what you should do is twist gently and pull the fungus up. Yeah. That what you shouldn't do is cut a fungus from its base. If there's any part of that base left under the ground, right. they reckon potentially it has the um, the potential for... Uh, or the bacteria Perfect. to start rotting it down, right. which could get into the mycelium. Mm. I would like to err uh, on a different side to that and think that actually maybe maybe fungi, given the fact that animals and stuff kick them over, yeah. have probably evolved to kind of be immune to that bacterial yeah. infestation. I mean, I don't know that for certain. Yeah. Um, I've been out in the past and I've cut yeah. sepsis in my, my early days and reading things in books um, and then read all the stuff in other books, and I've seen no decline in any of the areas that I've... Yeah. Rabbers my such as my porcini patches, they still keep fruiting. Doesn't seem yeah. to any harm to my ceiling, but again, I can't see into the soil to see if it has but yeah. knowing I've got very good like I mean, a piece of, piece of your... point in my mind for remembering exactly the locations in and around where they, they're growing. They're all gonna be from one mycelial network. Yeah. You know? and it's there seems to be no detrimental effects, uh,
0: I think Peter Jordan. I mean, he always used Peter Jordan before he died. Bless him. Was like the gastromycologist. He was, oh, yeah. and he had the tasty partnership up in Norfolk. He wrote loads of books on edible mushrooms because mm-hmm. that was his focus. And you know, he'd always go out with his knife and cut. So it's you know, I mean, yeah. Again, it's one of those things that. No one knows at the Yay. moment. Open we? to debate. Yeah, yeah it's one of those.
1: You know, I've done it, and I'm not seeing any detrimental effects on, on the mycelial network. Maybe we need to do some studies on that. Maybe there's a heck of a lot more mycelial studying yeah. network that we need to do. But then again, we've been here on a snip of the time frame. I mean, what have these got? 400 million years yeah. of evolution, and we've got. Well, Adult. let me just pop a hair out yeah. on the timescale of universal yeah. time frames. They're. To be honest with you, I think they're far more intelligent and yeah. adapted to what's going on around them than... And I think the that's the moment. exciting
0: thing about fungi is that, yeah, you yeah. know, the the more research, people like Paul Stamets, who wrote Mycelium yeah. Running, Absolutely. you know, serious scientists who are just, yeah. like, just touching the edge of the iceberg <laughs> yeah. when it comes to the fungi world. Yeah, I mean... So let's go down and have a yeah. have a look. So talk us through... Sir, this is hedgehog fungi. It
1: is a hedgehog. I'm just going to go grab my knife, mate. Yeah. And then I can take off the mucky bit at the bottom, so not to get any debris in the little collection pot. So, yeah, so these are hedgehog fungi. So, what really, so these are part of the Hydnum family, H-Y-D-N-U-M, This is Hydnum ripandum. Um, and unlike the other two species, or three species that we've looked at, so we've looked at the Amethyst deceiver, guild fungi. Yeah. We looked at the Miller, guild fungi. Yeah. We looked at the two Boletes, tube paw fungi. Whereas this one is part of the toothed fungi. What well, You get these lovely little kind of like teeth or stalactites. Yeah. Kind of... Is it stalactites? Yeah. Stalagmites grow up, stalactites grow up. Don't know, mate. It's all like, like that, it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We're above ground, generally. That's the that's realm of the mycelium, isn't it? Yeah, the uh, caves in underground. Um, I mean, this is just... This is a perfect, perfect. class. You know, beautiful. I mean, have a have a feel of it and...
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I eat this. This is...
1: Ah, uh, you into these? Yeah, yeah. yeah, good. Well, maybe we should, we should take some of these over to your your retreat with you tonight. And So there's plenty of them. I mean, take five or six. It's, I mean, look at them all, man. There's mm. hundreds mm. of them. <laughs> mm. the, yeah, beautiful fungus. Mm. And
0: again, just those, just a little slither. And you keep the the spines on them?
1: I do, yeah. yeah. In this young phase that I some do... Some
0: people kind of take them off, don't they?
1: As they get older, what you'll find at the moment, they're, they're a very pale as you twist them to the light as well the light you've got it's almost like a like a a slightly buff yellow tannish color on some of the cash. it's good stuff in it yeah Mm. and if you turn those upside down and you turn it to a certain way you can almost see that kind of like creamy i don't know is it yeah not vanilla i suppose like yeah yeah vanilla ice cream yeah vanilla yeah yeah like yellowy buttery vanilla ice cream color to it um These are fresh, young paws. We'll find an older specimen that I'll show you, and I'll show you the difference between the size of the teeth on that one compared to these young ones. I do find that when they get older, that the teeth do get slightly bitter, um, and that can impair the flavour Then when you're cooking them. Um, So on the older specimens, if I do take the older specimens, but look at all these young, fresh ones, I don't need to do that. I can leave the older ones to to kind of do their their natural cycle. Um, I'll just scrape the needles off, basically, but like that, not a problem for me. Yeah. I'll eat it like that. Wonderful. It is, isn't it? Beautiful. Let's yeah. go find the big one. One yeah, thing it is, is a a bit of a puzzler for me, though, is why they call it um, pied mouton, sheep's foot. Because I've never seen a sheep's foot like that in my <laughs> life, <laughs> man. Um, just just while we're stamping through, remember I told you about the yellow trumpets. Yeah. See them all. Yeah, yeah. Because it's huge. Network. Yeah. The thing is, God, wow. last year none of these That's were here. Massive. Yeah, it is huge. <laughs> this is the thing, you yeah, know. Yeah. It's it's phenomenal. It's a huge network. I mean, what we're looking at there, what? A f- oh. Four or five metres by. Yes. Maybe again, four or five metres. Yeah, meters. yeah. E- easy. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's the beauty of. of- of fungi is that, you know, it's one of those things, well there's nothing here kind of goes on in my head. And then I spot some mm-hmm. and then suddenly my perception <laughs> shifts into fungi land. And suddenly they're they're bloody everywhere.
1: You know? <laughs> do you want to try something? Do you, you wanna lay down for just a moment, and get down to their height? Seriously. It's, <laughs> oh, no. Seriously come and lie down on it. It's great. Just get down to their level. Yeah. And then look out across the forest floor.
0: Yeah, it is really it. It is magical, isn't it? isn't it? And with all the mosses and <sighs> I just I do take people into the forest floor with an eyeglass and we get right down yes. looking at the kind of architecture and, and this whole world just opens up. <laughs> that you know, you just don't get it when you're tic tacking on your smart <laughs> <family laughs> app. <at all. laughs> it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, everyone, even if you don't even touch a fungi just get out into the forest and get down low like a slithering yeah. slow worm.
1: Yeah, and when you're sick of being on your belly, turn on your back and look up through the trees yeah. as well. It's a, yeah. a whole new world up above you as well. It's, yeah, it's quite magical It's quite refreshing, really, isn't it? It is. Really, yeah, it's lovely. really special, these are, these are lovely. Really good.
0: See, I so this is yellow legs.
1: Well,
0: are they called yellow I,
1: legs? Yeah. There seems to be right. different varieties. And I uh, yeah. I've known them as yellow legs or the yellow trumpet fungus, but I'm looking at at the moment, these kind of almost like... I can see almost like a little sort of like scaly fibrillus to the cap, and the fact that these are so deeply yellow... um, There's a guy uh, called Andy Overall, who I see him regularly post off on uh, the British Mycological Society Facebook page, and he actually put up a species last night, which I'm looking at these and thinking that these are the ones he was chatting about last night, and it was Canthorellus. I forget the surname of it now, which is a shame. But I have a feeling he'd never found these before. Right. Um, he's found them up in Scotland along the side of a lock. I'm not going to tell people where that lock is. Um, but I also found some very, very similar in, the, uh, in Cumbria yeah. last week. Um, I think I found three different varieties of this kind of Canthorellus family. Oh, um, one of them was a golden chanterelle, which is apparently pretty damn rare, which is a, a superb finding. Finding a, a, a rare fungus that's not edible to me is just as exciting, in fact, if not more exciting than finding a piccini, yeah, sure. you know, that's edible for me. Sure. It's not just about the edible fungi. Um, so I'm looking at these these cap um, sort of markings on here, these sort of fibrillose scales, and I'm thinking that maybe it's the one that Andy had posted last night. But okay. I have a feeling that there's maybe. Maybe other species, mixed but Again, it's very, very subtle. Yeah. Some of, I think some of the names have been changing in this family. And do, so. do
0: I mean, you know, talking about it, do, do fungi hybridize? Like
1: plants hybridize? No, I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too sure. I won't go any further into that. I've got some vague bits of information that seems to be popping through from the back of my mind, but they're so vague and not necessarily definite that point of speech. chatting about it online yeah, and yeah, making sure. myself sound like a complete other numpty. Um, so I'll learn on the, the side of I'm not too sure on that one um but it's, it's quite highly possible yeah um so there we go there's a an older older specimen here so this one here um these are from the first fruiting's that were out in june this year yeah. we've had two fruiting's at the moment the first fruiting was at the end of june right. and then we had quite from what i can gather a pretty dry spell and period this so is when the first flush came up the ones that you're looking at now have been coming up for probably the past two weeks yeah so they're they're the august fruiting that are coming through yeah. so again this is a lovely thing that these seem to fruit twice within the same season have i noticed that in the past i'm not too sure that i have i've just assumed that the bigger older ones were just a little bit older than the young ones but not in such a fast time scale right. so that's really interesting oh, the okay. fact that yeah, yeah. so again it's you know it's open for debate and research and study do these you know can they have multiple fruitings Um, I know from a mate in Scotland, Mark from Galloway Wild Foods, he's mentioned about um, sort of double flushes coming through, say with chanterelles, you get like an early summer flush and it may kind of like die off and then they get a second autumnal flush. And again, is that, is it actually the second flush? From what we can gather, it seems to be.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, whether the Forestry Commission and all the other mycologists know this, I don't know, I've not heard of this by them. Sure. But you can see yeah, that they're, they're getting really... much longer. Yeah. Um, they're actually still not a bad colour, to be honest with you. As they, as they... They're breaking off,
0: aren't they, yeah. as, you,
1: as you stroke them, whereas with
0: the yeah. young one...
1: I mean, oh, no, they will break, yeah, they're both really delicate. But yeah. the much older, older ones, um, you'll hey, find well. that these go like a... like a, a muckier vanilla ice cream color yeah. almost like an orangey hue to them, to an extent, a browny-orange hue to them. Yeah. And that's when I tell that they're, they're, they're bitter. Um, but these ones are a bit and so you can actually see some uh, larval infestation. Yeah. You can see a little... I don't know if it's sort of maybe cobweb or whether it's starting to spiral it, so maybe starting to form a new mycelial network that yeah. potentially will rot back down into the ground. I'm sure I read something the other day about... Uh, maybe in some one of the science papers about fungi that do then break down and how it's potentially important for some of those fungus to be allowed to break down because it will actually strengthen the genetic formula of that mycelial network, yeah. so... That's in contrast to what we're saying over there. I'm not sure. Yeah. Big bit of information in my head. But if I just give this in a snippet, but you can see, you know, some, look, all the little bugs are yeah. running through there. So, you know, these older ones, I ain't going to touch them. They can yeah. Yeah, break down. You know, net, that's, that's for, for other things to eat or yeah. to be recycled for the soil bacteria and the fungal network, the bugs or whatever it's. So, again, yeah, you know, these just like to say for the record, these, these mindful, sustainable, thoughtful housing going on here, sort of ecological stewardship. It's not just a case of, hey, Mushrooms, hey, we money, let's grab them while we can. 20
0: of <laughs> hedgehog, <Let's laughs> nick
1: the lot, yeah, not going to happen. No, it's not, no. absolutely not, I wouldn't want that, so, so yeah, interesting okay. stuff, and just to draw back to these yellow legs, which I think are the yellow legs, yeah. we've covered tooth fungi, Yeah. we've covered um, paw and tubed fungi, Yeah. we've covered gill fungi, yeah. if you look at these, they look like gills, but they're, they're not, they call them primitive gills or primitive wrinkles, right? Um, which are gill-typed. Yeah. Um, so, again, in this woodland, we've just covered, what, five species and four of them have got very different kind of, like, gill yes. structures to them. This is the beauty and the magic of the, the fungal kingdom. Yeah. And there's more to come. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. It's, it's pretty dry here at the moment, yeah. but you give, you give it another three or four weeks or maybe yeah. another month and the, the rain starts to come, this place will just erupt with just oh, a nice. wild and wonderful array yeah. of colours, shapes, sizes, different... When it's the basidiomycetes or the ascomycetes, it's yeah, it's rocking one. Yeah.
0: So if if people are uh, who are listening to this are around Leeds, and they want to come on a a fungi forage or plant yeah, forage yeah. with you. How do they get in contact with you? Have you got a website?
1: Yeah, I've got a website which is um, Edible Leads. If they want to email, they can email me at um, edibleleads at gmail.com. Okay. But I'm up on Twitter, Instagram as Craig Edible yeah. Leads. They, they'll find me through yeah. the website and all the links that I've you got. You have so to put Craig Edible Leads into Google. And
0: you'll pop yeah,
1: up, up at up the top like of it. Right yeah,
0: there. <laughs> I will do, yeah.
1: Where's he been? He's oh, surfacing. <laughs> Very enigmatic.
0: <laughs> okay. So yeah, brilliant. So. Been really cool coming out with you and hanging out with you for Likewise. a while. So, you know, I know we spent a little bit of time last year, but this mm-hmm. has been really cool. Yeah. I wish it could be longer. But yeah. I have a monastery. I know to go you do. <laughs> That's so, fine. Thanks a lot, mate.
1: No, pleasure. Thank you very yeah. much. Cheers, Robin. Cheers. Nice one.